Your film is now ready to be shown. Good morning. I'm Justin Hendricks, editor of Tech Policy Press, a nonprofit media and community venture intended to provoke new ideas, debate, and discussion at the intersection of technology and democracy. Earlier this year, Matt Rivets announced he planned to step aside from Sleeping Giants, an activist campaign launched in 2016 to address the flow of advertising revenues to sites that promote hate speech and disinformation. The ad tech ecosystem is exceptionally complex, and the incentives in place lend themselves to waste and fraud and to large sums of money flowing to sites that promote questionable content, often without the knowledge of the people spending that money. In 2016, Rivets and Nandini Jami now the co-founder of Check My Ads and a recent guest on this podcast, started building a community of concerned citizens to notify the brands often unwittingly propping up sites that feature bigoted or dangerous content. Scoring early wins, such as against Breitbart, which was starved of advertising by the Sleeping Giants campaign, losing thousands of programmatic advertisers, the effort ended up becoming a community of as many as a million concerned citizens with chapters all over the world, in France, Australia, and Brazil, to fight hate in their countries. Sleeping Giants played a role in a variety of campaigns, such as the Drop Fox campaign that urged media buyers not to buy advertisements on Fox News and the recent Stop Hate for Profit boycott against Facebook that saw hundreds of companies join a boycott of the social media site for its failure to address bigotry and violence on its platform. An academic paper published last year by researchers at Brazil's UFMG and Switzerland's EPFL detailed the emergent strategy of the organization and its effects. Using an annotated database of Sleeping Giants communications, both from its original Twitter account and from chapters elsewhere in the world, the researchers sought to answer whether its activism was effective in provoking the intended response, how its efforts affected the popularity and engagement of the sites it targeted, and the extent to which interactions with companies were impacted subsequent to a campaign. The researchers found that out of a sample of 161 Sleeping Giants complaints to companies running ads on sites it deemed offensive, 84% produced a response. Sleeping Giants has been threatened with lawsuits and harassment. Rivets was threatened personally with a lawsuit by Breitbart. The Brazilian chapter was targeted by supporters of Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro. Matt is now the chief purpose officer at Noble Media, a company that says its mission is to bring advertising back to credible content and help create a safer, healthier internet. It offers what it calls a credibility targeting solution for programmatic advertising and recently announced a partnership with a company called Basis Technologies, to automate the targeting of campaigns to content that meets a standard of quality. I caught up with Matt about his decision to step aside, what he's learned, what's changed in the advertising ecosystem, and what's necessary to achieve a lasting solution to the problem Sleeping Giants has addressed these last five years. Uh, My name is Matt Rivets. I'm from Sleeping Giants and been running it for five years now. So Matt, you just announced that you are going to step away from Sleeping Giants after those, those five years of effort. What is this moment? What what has kind of prompted you to, to make this change in your life? There are a lot of different issues. First and firm, foremost, uh, personal issues. I just, after five years of trying to affect change within a number of different industries, primarily advertising technology and social platforms, um, and then also fighting some really powerful forces and people Um, I just got to a point personally where I just felt like I couldn't be on Twitter as much as I was without it 
affecting me in a very substantial way and my family. It's been a real crazy ride personally beyond just the work, which I think the work is still crazy important, but the, but personally um, it has taken a serious toll on my mental health and on my family's, you know, my family life, we've been threatened with lawsuits um, that, you know, when I had to get a lawyer and, you know, my time, my 14 year old son was getting death threats online and I was, and we had people, you know, calling my wife's phone and it's a heavy load. And when you're going through it, it doesn't, it feels a little scary, but over time, cumulatively, it becomes really, it, it becomes too much to bear in some ways to just keep on going at that same pace. And so I felt the need to step away personally, but also professionally. I mean, within, within the, or within the campaign itself, I just got, I took a break uh, about five months ago for, for five months, about four months ago. And it was really good personally to step away, especially from Twitter. It's such a toxic place. And I've known that for a long time, but it was good to step away and, and realize that life is not about exactly when we always talk about that life is not Twitter. It replaces regular life in some ways and it seeps into your every day and you start to look at the world that way. So I want, I took five months off to back away a little bit, take stock, figure out what was important about the effort and, and my life personally. And it felt really good. And so when I went back, I just, I couldn't summon that the, the same amount of energy and um, anger and frustration and vitriol just to, I couldn't absorb it all and then spit it back out into the world anymore. And, and so I just, I felt like I had a lot of fits and starts. I would tweet things and then delete them. And I didn't really, I wasn't feeling it in the same way. And so I, I just decided to make it permanent, you know, and, and I also think it's kind of time because of that, I wasn't coming up with the ideas that I think it needs to move forward. It's things change and, and the internet certainly changes and the conditions on the ground change. And after you've been doing something for five years, you kind of get into a rut of things that you think need to get done. And I don't, I think that I can still, and I probably will still remain involved in some way, um, at least, you know, in a higher level, but being down on the ground every day to doing it, it's just, things have changed. And I think it's ready for some new ideas and some new tactics. And it's a really good platform. And I think what was, what's been really interesting is that these chapters that have opened around the world, these sleeping giants chapters like Brazil, France, and Australia, they all operate completely differently than each other, but under the same banner and the same mission. And so I, I'm kind of excited to see what someone else can do with it um, if they take it, you know, and I, it's never been done, I don't think. And so it'll be really interesting to see how it all works. I do want to talk a little bit about what might happen to, you know, quote unquote, sleeping giants, the U.S. version of it or the, or the, the, the OG sleeping giants, if you will. But let's talk for just a minute about the legacy of other, other activities and other entities. You know, your co-founder who I just had on the uh, podcast uh, talking about a new campaign around January 6th and the insurrectionists courses engaged in some new new activities and new tactics with check mm -hmm. my ads um, and there are a variety of other um, chapters as you say that have opened around the world can you describe what you see as as the legacy of this activity and what is going on perhaps in some of those chapters that people are less familiar with I mean I I think a lot of it was just luck and timing right I think uh, I think that um, maybe when this thing started 
there wasn't that connection between commercial entities and hate and, and activism. There wasn't, that didn't really exist. It's always existed in some ways, but it didn't really exist in the way that um, it did on Twitter that I think sleeping giants got kicked off, you know, in a lot of ways. And now you definitely see a lot of efforts and a lot of different from a lot of different quarters doing the same kind of stuff. And so I think a lot of it was timing, just getting getting on it early. I would say the, the, the thing that everyone sort of points to is the original uh, tactic of taking a screenshot and sending it to an advertiser and asking them if they support that, you know, that, t- that type of content, because everything has gotten so out of control that no one knows which end is up. Even if they, even if advertisers want to take some kind of action, it's really hard for them to figure out how to do that. And so there's always this, it's just information for me, it's always been just information. Here's, here's a piece of information. What are you going to do with it? People have viewed it as pressure and that is to some degree, probably it's legacy. And I think that's really been used by other organizations, you know, a lot of pressure um, politically. I've never really seen this as a political, a political mission. Uh, I think a lot of people would paint it as such, but to me, it was always about hate, you know, very clear disinformation and responsibility. I think that, you know, what Nandini and Claire are doing with Check My Ads is great. And I think that they are making some serious headway, it seems like. And I, and I think they, they're now taking this to another place. And, and it's great. I think they've correctly assumed that a lot of these ad tech companies aren't taking their responsibility seriously. And you can kind of see that across the board with, with cable companies, with advertisers with all kinds of things. And so it's going to take a number of different efforts to try to peel that back. I think that the thing that I bum out a little bit with is that is when it is used for purely political reasons. Um, And you'll see that with some other campaigns um, that, you know, they will use it for, uh, they'll take a couple of articles and then use it again for, you'll see it with some political organizations. They will use that to try to peel some things back. And, and like, I think that's just the nature of where we are right now. To me, Sleeping Giants has never been about that. I think the biggest successes we had were certainly uh, the Breitbart was the, the easiest example of the fact that our tech is out of control. And so it was very easy for advertisers to react to that. And then, you know, Alex Jones was another big one. Um, and I felt like these are edge cases, though. This, this stuff should be basic. It was, you know, Alex Jones was harassing Sandy Hook parents from every platform. And that should have ended immediately. But the fact that it took so much pressure for them to actually enforce their own terms of service and rules that they finally, you know, Apple did it and then Facebook and Twitter followed, you know, Twitter kind of was a holdout for a while, but they all kind of followed suit. And that's kind of how they do things, right? One makes a decision and then they've got cover for the other ones have cover for their decisions. And I think that's a terrible way to do things. But I think those two things were pretty significant as far as the the tech piece is concerned, just notifying the people that pay the companies that pay into the system that, that they could do so much good by just doing the real simple things, enforcing their terms of service, not advertising on places that they wouldn't typically see their brand. But everything's gotten so complicated and out of control that it makes it difficult for them to, uh, it makes it difficult for anyone to to get anything done. And so, you know, it's going to take a lot of different efforts to do it. And I hope Sleeping Giants continues to be a part of that. 
when you do step back and you you look at that ad tech landscape, the Lumascape uh, was always the famous sort of yeah. depiction of it. So complex, so many entities with so many different motivations, but ultimately profit motivation. Has anything fundamentally changed? Uh, is this a Sisyphean, a Sisyphean task to just perpetually yes. attempt to kind of make this happen? Do you now kind of regard structural change as, as requiring law, uh, policy change? What, what is it that would address this? You hit it. You hit the nail on the head for me, and one of the reasons why I'm, why I'm kind of taking a step back because I think the closer you get to the bigger issues, how ad tech works, how how to change uh, the way Facebook enforces their own rules and the responsibility they take, those are much bigger tasks that require much bigger efforts. I think that 4,500 advertisers leaving. Breitbart would have changed ad tech and man, it didn't at all. And I see the same thing happening with Facebook. Facebook has a, you know, virtual monopoly and some, you know, in many ways from an ad perspective. So what do you do about that? And I don't think that it can be changed from a Twitter account. I don't think that, I think it's going to take a lot of different efforts. I think it's going to take a lot of oversight. I think it's going to take a lot of transparency that doesn't exist. And I think it's going to take some laws in place and, and some real deep searching beyond just the writing of white papers. And I think I'm a big fan of action. And I don't think that, that there's enough action being taken right now across the board to handle things from a systemic point of view. I think that Sleeping Giants is good in that it can point out the real egregious stuff and it, can, and it, and it has been able to do something about those things. But it goes, those are just the edge cases. It gets so much worse, the deeper you get. And I just kind of was driving myself crazy. Like, how can I be a part of the the change here? If, you know, I'm not in government, I'm just a dude that's, that had a, saw something wrong and felt like it needed to be done. Something needed to be done about it, but there's going to need to be some real regulation and change or, and transparency around uh, around these companies. And from an ad tech point of view, I think the biggest problem is that advertising technology has has really, the, the entire landscape has convinced the advertising world that it's the right way to go. And there's a lot of different, uh, there are a lot of different data points that point to the fact that it doesn't really work that well. It doesn't really uh, give advertisers a real advantage. They just continue to pay into a system because the system tells them to pay into it. The data is fuzzy. The data that they get back, which shows that they've got a certain amount of performance, it doesn't really change anything. I don't know that many people that you know have been fundamentally businesses that have been fundamentally changed by advertising online because they kind of spread their ads everywhere. So all it's really been doing in a lot of ways is paying for some really insidious things to exist online. And so I think when you deal with an industry like that, some real transparency and oversight will do wonders, but I can't do anything about that because I'm not in the government. If you are enjoying this podcast, consider subscribing. Go to techpolicy.press slash podcast to find a link to subscribe via your favorite podcast service. While you're there, join our newsletter. I'm talking with Matt Ribbets, 
one of the founders of Sleeping Giants, a campaign to pressure companies not to spend advertising dollars with sites that promote bigotry and disinformation. It felt like to me that in 2017, 2018, 2019, in the earlier days of Sleeping Giants, there was a bit more of a kind of move by industry and by marketers to think about these things. And you started to see positions pop up inside of the larger agencies that were concerned about uh, credibility and, and these types of issues. Am I right? This is just, an, I, I have no data on this. And so I, please correct me if I'm wrong, but am I right just to intuit that some of that has relaxed a bit or that um, there's a sense that it's under control or um, that it's it's sort of dealt with as a as a fringe problem. Uh, you you nailed it, and and I, and again, you you had one of the other reasons why I feel like Sleeping Giants has not gotten as much done in the last year. Companies generally view all of this as a PR problem. They never view it as uh, there are a few companies that do. Patagonia is one. And, uh, and there have been a couple of other ones. There's a company called Vital Farms that just dropped out of, out of Facebook permanently. And Patagonia did as well. And I think Lush Cosmetics in the UK. I think what I've been trying to do for the last five years is convince advertisers that instead of creating an ad that says, we're donating a million dollars to change X, which doesn't really end up doing very much, that they can have a fundamentally... They can, they can make some fundamental change in the world simply by what they spend their money on. Unfortunately, right now, a lot of these companies from tech platforms on down, they view it as a PR problem to wait out. They wait, they're like, okay, we're going to wait for two weeks and it'll subside and everyone will forget about this. But the problem still exists. And so the companies that I think are really going to win, consumers still care. Consumers still very much care about where ads are placed, what they're supporting, if they're paying into Facebook, companies like that, uh, they, consumers really care. I hope that what happens is that those companies really figure out at some point soon that their consumers care about where they advertise, that their consumers care about these things because, and I think that's one of the, the important things that Sleeping Giants really did was it shows the, the power of consumerism. Look, we, we vote with our dollars. In the last five years, a lot of people felt like that was the only kind of control they could have. These companies now have, there's a new laziness, in some cases, shamelessness, I think that's set in where they just don't care. And I think that's a real problem. I think, you know, that I've read some really good articles lately and some op-eds saying that if we don't want our country to lose our country and to lose our democracy and our truth and equality, then companies need to step up now. We've gotten to a point where companies really control our lives more than the government does in a lot of ways. And so they need to realize that what they are doing um, has a profound effect on our society, especially when we go online more and more. Uh, advertising pays for the free internet and what we look at every day. So they can either choose to continue to pay into it from a careless point of view and fund some really terribly insidious racism and the destruction of truth and democracy, or they can just redirect their dollars to places that they feel like are valuable. That's the way it used to work. And it doesn't work that way anymore. So I just wish that they could take that, take that responsibility more seriously. And it's something that I'm going to continue to work on, you know, even after sleeping giants, even after I'm sort of done with the day to day, 
it's something that I'm, I take very seriously. I, this is an industry that I've been in for 30 years almost. And I hate the fact that I'd be working on something that would be, that would cause, you know, our country to fall apart or cause um, racism to take over uh, our country again. And truth doesn't matter. I hate that. And so I'm still in that business. I want to be proud of it. And I still am. I feel like you just got to convince these companies to be a little more, a little bit more purposeful about how they spend and also use their dollars to influence platforms and how they act. And right now that's not happening, unfortunately. You've also, uh, I understand, worked on some technology solutions in this regard. I, I assume the, the motivation there is that if companies had better tools or analytics uh, to understand where their dollars are going, that they could potentially make better decisions. Is there any hope that AI or forensic technologies to, to track the way that your dollars and your ads are being you know, placed across the web will help this problem? Or do yeah, you feel I, that that's I still do. a marginal? Well, no, I do. I do. Or else I wouldn't be involved in it. I mean, I felt like certainly two years ago, I got involved in this company, Noble, uh, Noble Media. And the idea was pretty simple. It was based on language on a page. So it was kind of going back to the old school with advertising. Media buyers used to watch programs and decide whether they wanted to advertise it on, on them or not. And they used to vet every, you know, every, uh, every placement that was made. And now we've seeded that to the tech companies that want to place this wherever it makes them a profit. And so this got to a point where I'm like, okay, we can't read every page on the internet, but what we can do is look at the language on a page. The people that have been working on this were working on this well before I got involved, but from an ad advertising perspective, I thought it made a lot of sense, which was um, they were working with a professor of rhetoric who was looking at signals and, uh, you know, language signals and what constitutes hyperpartisan and what constitutes uh, sort of clickbait outrage type of writing. And what I liked about it is it wasn't partisan at all. It was based on literally on the language because that can come from anywhere, right, left, center, people are, you know, different, different subjects. It, it doesn't matter if, if it's based on language, then it's a fair measurement, right? So I got involved because I just felt like advertisers, I've been watching brand safety companies for the last five years. And what infuriated me was that they used sleeping giants to sell more widgets, right? <laughs> that they used that they used the idea that, you know, sleeping giants is out there. They're going to take a screenshot of you next to a an article proclaiming the, the, the Confederate flag was a, was a good thing and send it to you. And so we're going to sell you more of what we sell to try to peel that, you know, to try to keep that from happening. To me, that really, that angered me because it, it's not necessarily about that. It's about being more purposeful and being more responsible about how you spend your dollars, not just about avoiding a site or a keyword. We saw during uh, COVID, beginning of COVID, Advertisers were blocking the word coronavirus en masse through these uh, brand safety companies. And it was defunding disinformation, fake news, but it was also defunding real news when we needed it the most. And so I think it, we needed a more nuanced approach. And that's why I got involved with Noble, because I felt like it was a more nuanced approach to the problem. Currently, advertisers who want to be responsible don't have that option right now. They simply have the ability to say, okay, I don't want to be on anything that says this word, or I don't like this site, 
that's fine, but it doesn't, it ignores the larger problem. And so that's why I got involved with this. I do think that AI can help. I don't think it's going to be the thing that solves it all. I think that we need major oversight of privacy and data and all of these things. And I think we need to break up the monopolies that are in this business. And I think that we need to simplify it, but I don't, I, I, I'm hoping that this can be the start. Noble can be the start of something bigger. I think like GDI global disinformation index, um, Danny Rogers, I know quite well is doing phenomenal work in this, in this way too. I mean, they're using signals to identify disinformation. And I think that's really good. And it's great that the advertising industry is adopting that. I think we're looking at new models. I think the biggest problem right now is that the, the ad industry is in a lot of ways is owned by Facebook and Google now, and they control everything from the research to the think tanks, to, you know, to the industry associations. So what is happening, I think, is that these industry associations aren't letting any new, uh, new technologies come in that could change it, that could provide any kind of uh, competition to change the market. And it's basically essentially shutting out any new, any new companies that could change it in favor of keeping things as status quo, when in fact, what they're doing is they're driving up prices for advertisers they're keeping them in positions that put that compromise their integrity and their brands. And by protecting these larger uh, monopolies, they're really doing the business a disservice. So I, I hope that changes. I hope that, that the industry can start to uh, look at new solutions, that they can be more open to it, that they don't realize that they need Google and Facebook for everything. So there may be people listening to this who are imagining that they could play some role, um, either as an activist or as a thinking through a new new policy solution. Um, what would you encourage them to do in the landscape as it is today versus where it was in 2016, 2017, when you were getting your start with Nandini? Man, it's a total accident that I got involved with this. I, you know, I just kind of saw something wrong and felt like I needed to, to do something. Um, and then it lasted for five years and maybe longer. I mean, I, you know, I probably won't be involved as involved as I've been, but I think that people within these industries need to start speaking up more and you're seeing it more, you know, you're definitely seeing some people, some activists that both leave and also within these companies that are, that are speaking up and raising their hand and saying, look, we're doing things wrong here that are bad for society. And I think that it really helps when they go to the press. I do. I think that I think that's the only way that these companies react to anything is when it's embarrassing. These companies have monopolies. And so there's no reason for them to change. Everything's going great. Their Facebook stock price, look, uh, stop, hate, um, stop hate for profit, which, you know, Sleeping Giants is a big part of that, along with uh, NAACP and ADL and Free Press and, and a number of different organizations. You know, when that happened, that was the first big blow, I think, on these companies. I think that I, I think on Facebook, it's uh, particularly and it was embarrassing for them. You know, it didn't affect their stock price just bounced up, you know, a month later, like we kind of knew it would because there no, there's nowhere else for these companies, for these advertisers to go um, in the long run. They're always going to go back because it's, that's what they kind of need to do to do business. But I think what it did was it caused a greater awakening in the public. I, that's what I'm kind of concentrating on now. How can we now take this mission off of Twitter and get it to the general public? I think the more people, the more regular people that aren't involved in this every day know about these issues and what they're paying into with their time and their data and their money, 
I think the more they know about that, the more the angry they're going to get and the more they're going to demand change. And so that's what I really would love to see. I'd love to see more citizens get involved with, you know, just the same way they get mad at the government. And but we're now dealing with companies where the, the officers can't be voted out. And so we need a groundswell of public sentiment and demands from the public and lawmakers to do something about these issues that are invading our privacy and changing our society in ways that might not, that are likely not going to be good for any of us. And so I, I would just hope that people would step up predominantly the people that work within these companies. I think that that they are going to play a massive role in how these things change because ultimately right now we're in a tight talent market and these companies need people to, to go and they can always pay them. But at some point, it's going to be like the cigarette companies. People are going to say, eh, look, I can get another job down the street and get paid almost as much to do work that's not going to completely, you know, fuck over our country and the world. I always think about the cigarette companies because there's so much comparison. And yet there's still many people working at the cigarette company. You know, there are. It's, you know what I mean? Like it, it, there's, there's, there's plenty of people who will, who will make that choice. Yeah. But, um, but Justin, it points out the fact that cigarette smoking has gone down significantly, you know, and, and it, it, it I think it points to the fact that in the end of the day, I, I always point to, cause I've been, tr- I've been, I've been trying to figure something out along the lines of, do you remember the truth campaign? That was a, a large scale media, you know, advertising operation that, went after the companies and showed the public exactly what they were doing and predominantly young people. I think there's a move towards that, that I think is really important. I think that cigarette companies were so powerful back then they were able to bury so much information. And I think it points to the fact that government regulation can do a lot. It's just because we're dealing with speech, it's, it's a sticky subject, but I, I do think in the end of the day, there are ways, especially around advertising, for things to change. And I hope the government does get involved. And I think Lena Khan is definitely on, you know, she's very aggressive in going after that. And I think that, I think, I hope that continues. I don't think we've got a lot of time, (laughs) but I think we've got a short window now, a small window of time where we can actually get some things done. Just the last question. Um, You know, presumably there's, there's not a lot of machinery to the transition away from sleeping giants. You're talking about, you know, some accounts and, you know, passwords and that sort of thing. Um, Yeah. It's never been a real sophisticated operation. Right. And some, and some practices, I'm sure uh, maybe some principles that you'd like to see um, picked up by whoever might take it. How do you transition this? Are you you looking for someone else to fill the shoes or to great question? If you have any ideas, let me know, man. No, again, it's, it's, I had never thought about this too much before, but I do think it's good. I mean, look, I'm talking to some sleeping giants chapters that have been running their own operations in different ways, certainly than the the main account here and some other people that I really trust from, um, that have run similar, similar operations about how to transition it. I don't think that one person being on Twitter for five years is not a sustainable model. My thinning hairline and gray beard are a testament to that. Um, it's aged me in so many ways. And I think one person running one account at one time is not, you know, is not going to work for a, a long, you know, for a long period. I think that needs to be a team of people and stra- and I think it would be great to have strategy. And I think it would be great to have someone you know, to take over the Twitter handle, 
you know, so that it's not, you know, different people can do it at different times and take shifts. Um, and also I don't, I don't think that it necessarily needs to be um, as active as I've been on Twitter. Certainly I, you know, I tend to get sidetracked by making jokes and doing dumb shit that I probably shouldn't have been doing, but that's Twitter for you. Um, and also I think it keeps people engaged in some respects, but I don't think it's a valuable spend of time. So I, I'd like to, I'd like it to be more purposeful moving forward. A lot of it was just waking up and deciding what needed to be done that day rather than having a sustainable, you know, schedule moving forward and something that, you know, real thinking and, and, um, and action behind everything. And I think that's part of just starting something and trying to figure a bunch of things out. But I think it'll be up to whoever's doing it next. I think it would be great to have a couple of point people and then some other people to do various jobs. And I've had, it's been great. You know, I put it out on Twitter and, and just said, if you want to be a part of this, then, then, you know, DM. And man, a lot of people came out of the woodwork and said they would want to play a part. I never knew um, what to do with the people that said they wanted to be a part of it before. And I'm hoping that someone else can figure that out because maybe I'm just kind of, I, I'm, I guess maybe I'm not so good at sort of figuring out things from beyond what's right in front of me. And that's always been kind of my Achilles heel. So I'm hoping that there can be a more strategic vision moving forward. I think it's just going to be figuring out who's interested and, and willing to volunteer a couple of years of their time. There's not never been any money in this. And so, you know, and there, and hopefully there never will be, I think it's just about caring about what's happening with our information ecosystem and how money moves around and being curious and having people that can do a bunch of different jobs and come up with a bunch of different ideas. And I hope that's where it heads. I'm really curious to see where it goes too. I don't know. And I don't even know if it'll be, what'll be next um, in any way. I'd like to play a part and just helping seed some ideas, but that's kind of going to be it for me. Matt, thank you very much for all your effort over these last five years to to diminish hate on the internet. Thank you, Justin. I've always been a big fan of your work and watching that because a lot of this is just reading and and being curious and the stuff that you've been able to put out into the world has been crazy helpful. And, and so thanks for that. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you'll send us your feedback. You can write to me at justin at techpolicy.press or find us on Twitter at techpolicypress. Thanks to my co-founder, Brian Jones, and thank you for listening. Tech Policy Press.